All right, so how's it going, all you cool cats and kittens? Once again, it's time for the Chi and Khalil show. She obviously ain't ready, but no. I know y'all ready, so we're going to do this. She ain't never ready. She ain't ready for this, but we're going to do it anyways, because that's how we roll. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Oh, thank you. That's all. <laughs> Mic problems. I'm so mad. All right. So once again, See, we got like, cheek giggling. Like you start talking and then you act like we're not saying nothing. See? Misogyny. <laughs> so I'm just going to have all my readers who, not my readers, but readers, because I don't even know what a podcast is, right? Leave me alone. <laughs> so all my people be like, yo, why is she always interrupting you? And I was no, like, because that's, that's how she does. That's how she does. She is about getting her voice out and talking over me <laughs> and women's playing things. It's reverse sexism. Reverse sexism. All right. So before we get into current events, we're going to do BLM before it's BLM. And yeah. she got a uh, nice stalwart woman that most of y'all probably haven't heard about. So she's going to go ahead and break it down for us one time yeah. for the West Side. Because that's how we do out here. Okay. Um, all right. So... Dorothy Height. The reason why I chose Dorothy Height, Khalil, is because not only did Barack Obama call her the godmother of the civil rights movement, but because she represented and advocated for understanding intersectionality before Kimberly Crenshaw had even coined the phrase in the 1980s. Dorothy Height, who was born in Richmond, Virginia, back in 1912, um, was a gifted orator. She had served as president of the National Council of Negro Women from 1957 to 1998. She helped found the Women's Political Caucus uh, with the likes of Gloria Steinem, Betty Friedan, and others. These were white women who were part of the feminist movement. Interestingly enough, when you go and look up the National uh, Women's Political Caucus, she's not mentioned there, but everywhere else, her name comes through. And I just thought that was really interesting because one of the things that she was always talking about and what intersectionality brings to the table is you can't, or even feminism at this point, is that you can't have feminism if you're going to exclude the Black woman. And that her name was not a part of the list of people, but the famous white feminists are just sort of struck a chord in that whole sense of, okay, great, Black women are supporting us. They're really out on the forefront of the feminist movement and women's rights and reproductive rights. But we're not going to address the fact that we're always relegating them to the back of the bus kind of thing. Like, so anyway, it's like, very- Like, like Ralph, Ralph Ellison, The Invisible Man, It's the Invisible Women. It's the like you're there, right? You're there, but not there. But not there. I mean, yeah. if you ask the average, I would say 10 years ago, definitely ask the average person, they would think the Black Lives Matter movement was started by a bunch of guys. But it was started, <laughs> by, you know, like that, it, that sort of thing. It's like, it's like we get erased for whatever reason. We, you know, that there are. Um, there, Me too. Me too. Not. <laughs> <laughs> I no, you the, right. you the Me Too movement. Yeah, no, the, the Me Too movement was like ten years ago, started by a black yeah. woman, and exactly. now all of a sudden, right? Alyssa Milano says something, and all of a sudden, it blows up, and it's like, right. it's, just, it's it's what Dorothy Height was saying. It's like, yes, yes, we're black, but we're also women. When a woman is in a room, 
just like um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said, she can say an idea to all of the justices sitting there. And then one of her justices, 10 minutes later, her colleague says the same exact thing. And everybody's like, you know what? That's a great idea. And all of us women know exactly what that feels like. Well, anyway, so Dorothy Height was someone who spoke to those issues. Interestingly enough, when she was younger, she was 17 when she got accepted to Barnard College, right? <laughs> she gets her acceptance. She lands on campus and the dean of students is like, oh, shoot, sorry, we are only allowed to accept two Black people. What? <laughs> we got so a max of two? <laughs> right, a max of two. They had filled their quota. So she was like, hmm, what am I going to do? She takes her acceptance letter and walks across Manhattan to New York University. I don't know if she walked across, but she went to New York University, showed them the letter of acceptance from Bernard College, and they accepted her on the spot. And that's where she <laughs> Psychology got her master's degree, like got all these scholarships and whatnot. Uh, but I just thought it was funny. I was like, really? So you accepted the lady knowing full well that y'all weren't going to let her into or onto campus. This just some BS for your days. Anyway, another interesting um another interesting fact about her is that she was also on the March on Washington for jobs and freedom. And I say the full name because sometimes we just call it the March on Washington and folks forget that it was also- Because I have a dream that right. we hold hands. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. And that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. It was, it was reduced to, I have a dream. She was literally the only woman on the stage. Before that march, she was saying, we have to have more women. We have to have more women. And the guys, the, the six of them, I think it was Abernathy, King, and some of these others, um, were like, no, when the, no, we don't have all that. We don't have time for that. I know that's a paraphrase, a generalization, but that's essentially the sentiment. And she was pissed AF. So what does she do? <laughs> she created the YWCA Center for Racial Justice. And the YWCA is the Young Women's Christian Association. So she was like, let me find whatever avenue I can to make sure that women's voices are heard, not just Black people's rights, not just right. civil rights, but women's rights and reproductive rights. Okay. There was there was something I had seen that was interesting. Malcolm X had said that that the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom, he he was also pissed off just the same way that Dorothy yeah. White was. But he was pissed off because he considered it a creation of the white power structure. That the white power structure had given them the media folks so that it could be aired, their um their consultants so that they would fit a certain frame and right. then tout that is, uh, instead of allowing it to be authentic and organic to the black experience. So I thought right. that was interesting because she would argue almost the same thing being like, it wasn't representative enough of the totality of the black experience, which must include the black woman's experience. And that's, right. uh, and that's what didn't happen. One other thing about her um, is that she was the first woman on the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership. And the Council for United Civil Rights Leadership was sort of like the umbrella membership organization of all the organizations that were working on civil rights, especially as it related to Black people. So like you were talking about CORE last week and SNCC, CORE and SNCC were there, NAACP, the SCLC was there. Um, but the problem was, <laughs> speaking to Stokely Carmichael, was that SNCC felt they weren't radical enough. And the the rest of the council members thought that SNCC was too radical. And so <laughs> for a year period, that whole Council for United Civil Rights leadership dismantled. 
And um, it's it's still the same thing, right? Like you're going to have people who are like BLM is not radical enough that we are not pushing the agenda that needs to be pushed. Factions split off um, and and also infiltrate because there was a point at which they thought that maybe the the FBI or um, other intel might have infiltrated this council and that was what was breaking people up. So, okay. you know, same thing that same thing yesterday, same thing today. It's right. it's really interesting. But I I would encourage you guys to look her up and read her memoir Open Wide the Freedom Gates which was published in 2003, 7 years before she died. That means she was 91. I'm telling you it's never too late. Wow. <laughs> Do whatever I'm gonna it get is. A- you want to do in life right okay but um yeah so hey, your bad self really, really making sure that black women's voices are you know heard and that's it that's so why just... it's so important that while i was asking you can you hear me <laughs> that you hear me it was it was perfect it was like the perfect little humorous like intro to to what this is like women's Except voices you were interrupting me when i was trying to do our intro i mean and who's interrupting who now right <laughs> But it's so so important, especially now that, you know, uh, despite what is currently happening, what the news that we keep hearing every 10 seconds that's changing, the new Supreme Court justice, um, whoever that might be, if it's appointed under Trump, is going to make sure that the gains that Dorothy Height, Ms. Dorothy Height, had um, helped create go backwards. That's essentially right. what's happening right now. Oh, and I should say yeah. she's a proud member or she was a proud member, an eternal member of the Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Are you giving you giving a shout out to sororities now? Because <laughs> you're because you know, you're, you're me find me. You're me find me, aren't you? The last time I checked. Completely me find me. <laughs> me me find me for life. Anyway, so that is who Dorothy Height is. Check her out. Awesome. Oh, okay. I should say this. I, I, and I did meet her before she passed, obviously, in Washington, D.C. Um, at an event. I can't remember, actually, if it was the Congressional Black Caucus event or if it was something that Marion Wright Edelman was doing through the Children's Defense Fund. But it was it was amazing. Actually, I think it was that. And and somebody was like, oh, my gosh, that's Dorothy Height. And I was like, Dorothy Height. And they whispered to me like National Council on um on Negro women. I was like, oh my gosh, that's her. And she was there in her regalia with her hat. She's very well known for her hats. And um, I, I came up to her and she was like, hi, sweetie. And I was like, oh my gosh, she said hi, sweetie to me. And um, so we <laughs> and um, I've got to find that picture now. Um, and, and right. But yeah, it was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, I had never heard of her before, so I'm glad you brought her to light. I'm going to check her out. Yay. Um, oh, and she knew Bethune Cookman too. Okay. Yes. There's so much more. There's so much more. Her relationship with Bethune, with um, Eleanor Roosevelt. I mean, she was an advisor to FDR, Eleanor, um, LBJ. Um, she's just, she was in their ear. And because of that, there were many strides that were made, but like, you know. Well, the uh, good thing is that I realize that it's all the same struggle and we're still in the same place, but I think people are at least now more accepting of the ideas of it. Yeah. Um, especially intersectionality, um, mm-hmm. more into feminism. Feminism, it's popular to be feminist yeah. versus in the 60s when it was popular to be misogynist. Yeah. Um, in theory, it's popular to be feminist now. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was going to say that. Right. Yeah. So many, so many of the women that I know, but like just following um, folks on Twitter, it's uh, f- Twitter or Instagram or anywhere on social media that like you can't 
as long as feminism does not want to see the importance of intersectionality, there will be no sort of <laughs> upholding of our rights as Black women or even Indigenous women. It will always be about their agenda, their being white women. And that's problematic. And the other reason it's problematic is it, it get, when marginalized, if marginalized people all banded together, we'd no longer be in the margins. Yeah. So it's kind of, there's this, but there's this weird psychological trick that if you're mistreated, you're more likely to approve of mistreatment of others. Yeah. So instead of saying like, you know, as a black man, that when I see sexism happening, instead of saying, oh, I can relate because I've been marginalized, mm -hmm. so I can understand how this person feels, mm -hmm. it's more like, haha, yeah, yeah, that's how people are supposed to be treated. It kind of normalizes it. Um, so it's actually, you're actually less likely to kind of empathize with other people, which is kind of backwards. Yeah. Um, but it happens often, which kind of interferes with intersectionality. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm not a feminist or whatever. I'm just saying that that's, I was using it as an example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I right. get you. Because I can relate to getting cut off in the middle of saying something. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, moving on. Look, this is, this is the after effect of the debate, honestly. <laughs> moving on. Um, the Rona has happened to yeah. 45. To 45. So wow. Tupé Fiasco supposedly has the Rona. Okay, so you see yeah. how you just said supposedly, allegedly. <laughs> like, folks are like... The conspiracy <laughs> theories, right. The conspiracy theories are coming oh out. Gosh. <laughs> it's scary, though, that people are like, I don't know, maybe he just wants to get out of the debates, which he's probably laughing at if he's not, like, laying in bed right now, you know, trying to get... Yeah, back. but I don't think he... Like, that strategy doesn't make sense to me because... Like he, for the people who don't like him, right? right? We think he lost the debate, but for the his base, like he did well. Like that's what he's done at all his debates. Right, right. right? He was consistent. Yeah, like he just says lies. He interrupts the other person. And then um, all of us, I think, even we did it in our first analysis of it. Like we kind of criticized Joe Biden for being like one of the toddlers too. When you realize that like Trump was just being crazy, and Biden just had a normal person's response of being annoyed by someone constantly cutting them off and constantly lying, talking about their kids, et cetera. Yeah, um, I, you know, the, to the toddler, I remember hearing somebody say, and uh, it, it was a white woman saying it on one of these cable news networks. She's uh, She was either undecided or was a Republican and was just so hurt, not hurt, disappointed and disgusted by the fact that she heard Joe Biden say, shut up, man. Um, <laughs> so thankful that her son or her child was not in the room watching it. And I remembered sitting for a second thinking that was what upset her. And, and, and when I was watching it, like there were points in my head where I was like, can you just shut up and let somebody speak? Like, can you just keep your mouth closed? Can Mr. Wallace just like tell him stop talking or cut off his mic or whatnot? But that she heard it as like, how dare she say that to a sitting president? How right. dare Biden say that to a sitting president? I don't care if you don't like him, you don't say that. And I, and I thought, wow, I never thought of him as a sitting president, like upheld himself in such a way that I should give him the respect of a of a president. You know what I'm saying? But that's the thing about like positions of power, like people always assume that they're right. So that's why when people are in the streets protesting, 
uh, George Floyd being slowly tortured and murdered. Um, and the police come back with tear gas and batons and someone goes and breaks a window and everyone's like, oh, look at the protesters breaking right, windows. Right. They're so violent. Right. What? Like, the, that's not the, vi- they're not the violent ones. Like, the people in power are doing such horrible things. But since they're in power, people are like, oh, it's no, okay. Absolutely right. Hey, one one thing I do want to remind people, there's a lot of jokes going around like Twitter and Facebook, etc. And memes are funny and all, but just be careful of what you post, especially if you have a public social media profile, because saying things wishing that the president died may not be considered professional and you may have no, that's consequences like professionally from it. I think you make a very, very good point. Like it's point that, you know, like Always. this is the sitting president Always. of the United States. Right. And like, well, insulting anybody is not good. And yes, he's, he is just in terms of character lies, like his disposition, that is not good for the the office of the president, but you don't want to insult the president. You are not, you're not Joe Biden. You won't get away with trust. Well, you can, you can insult the president, but wishing that the president dies is a different thing than insulting the president. Does that make sense? Um, Sure, sure. I mean, I guess I wouldn't say insulting. I'd say you. it's better to critique him. Don't insult him <laughs> like he does us. When they go low, what do we do? We go high. We say Tupe fiasco. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, yeah, don't wish don't wish him dead. Uh, no, I, even I could not yeah. say that. I, I would not at all. I'm worried more about Um, how many other people are potentially affected in the infected in the administration in his like immediate circle, not excluding his cabinet members, but I don't think they travel with him everywhere he goes, Uh, but his daily briefings with them, like, you know, how, how pervasive is this and how much of a threat is this not only to national security, but just to our own, to our own democracy, America itself. This is, this is actually serious. With all the joking that he has been doing right. and the insulting and mocking even of Joe Biden on that debate stage, this is serious. Like there was a kid who died the other day of COVID, like within a week, and it never attacked his lungs. It attacked his brain and his nervous system. And I was like, that's how crazy this thing is. It's yeah. not it's not like, you know, it's not it's not the flu. It's not the cold, it's not a cold. And I think 2020 is being written by karma or irony because Mm. like he was like you said he was just on the debate stage making fun of joe biden for wearing a mask yeah saying like oh you have a mask no matter what whenever you go outside you put on a mask yes yes that's kind of what we should all do (laughs) so that the economy will come back so that we can actually control the the pandemic Mm -hmm. so less people will die more people can go back to work sooner and we can be like Wuhan where we're in the club celebrating the end of the Rona. So yes, when you walk out of your house, put a mask on. Please, for the love of money, if, or for the love of money, wow. For the sake well, of yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's for that too, right. For the yeah. economy, right. <laughs> you know, the, just this basic thing. And I know there are probably some people right now in this country who are like, wait, even they're going to believe it. They're going to take it at face value and say, wait, he got, he got infected. What does that mean for me? And for them, I'm saying, look, it means just be careful, be more cautious and pay attention to what your leaders are saying. Not all of them are saying the truth. 
Like, go to the experts. Listen to the science. Don't take advice from someone who just learned that Clorox kills viruses. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Okay. That person is not the person you want to take advice on about health concerns. Basically. Look, if you have any health like questions related to coronavirus, I would suggest going to the World Health Organization website. Or you know what? You can drop us a question in Instagram. But you have to refer to to it as the Rona because I'm not responding to COVID-19 or coronavirus. (laughs) The Rona. The Rona. Rona. And that's apostrophe, capital R-O-N-A. Do we have to put the apostrophe in there? I don't know. I I do. I do. I mean. A a gramophile. But I like, then then we're going to have to actually, instead of saying T-H-E, it's D-A apostrophe Rona. And the R has to be capitalized. Yeah. Because it's the Rona. It's the Rona. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Anyway. So yeah, that's 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 the latest and greatest on Trump. We, it, you know, what news is going to come out on this right. every ten seconds? We'll never be completely, you know, up to date on it. Just yeah. protect your spirit now, protect your mind, protect your body, because you're going to get an influx of a lot of information that's going to seem contradictory in this next few days, few weeks leading up to the end of the election period. Right, and make sure you're doing self care because actually I was talking to someone recently, and they're bringing up the fact that kind of 2020 has been a series of traumas, and if you haven't been working on the trauma, most likely you're acting in a kind of a heightened state of awareness, or not mm-hmm. awareness, but heightened state of anxiety that might not let you make good decisions. So make sure you uh, get out there and sing Kumbaya, take a stroll, watch the sunset, um, do a little something to make sure. Make sure you're doing something. Yo, so all right. So switching back to Brianna Taylor, because we um we kind of skipped over this when we talked about her last time. Yeah. But one thing that's important to know is that the police officers who when they acquired the warrant plagiarized themselves in front of the judge to get the warrant. So there were several things that they made up. So they they were trying to f- see if her ex-boyfriend that they were um investigating for narcotic distribution. That's the had been re- guy? Yeah, had been distributing, had been receiving packages at her house. Mm-hmm. So they actually went to the postmaster to check these things. Mm-hmm. And they said, no, he's not getting any packages there. He hasn't got any packages. As a matter of fact, that house hasn't got any packages at all from anybody over the past whatever months. But when they place their affidavit to get the warrant, they claimed that he was getting several packages there and they knew it and the postmaster, right. So that is perjury, which is a crime. So while you're committing a crime, if you kill someone, you can't claim self-defense. So if you're committing a felony, right? Uh And someone dies, Mm -hmm. no matter if you intended to kill them or not, like it's you get charged with first degree murder. It's called felony murder. So there's people who like, Okay. Like if you're if you're strike robbing someone and they get scared and have a heart attack, mm-hmm. you effectively get charged for murdering them. So basically, if you're if you're committing a felony and someone happens to be harmed because of that, you're automatically mm-hmm. guilty or responsible for it. And wow. the other thing is like you can't, you know, this is basically a legal search. Like if you're in a place that you're not supposed to be, you can't claim self defense. Like Kyle Rittenhouse in Kenosha, he wasn't legally able to carry the firearm in the state 
So if you're walking around with a gun that you're not supposed to have, you can't use it to kill people in self-defense because you're actively committing a crime. Right. So you're not allowed to. Right. Right. But anyways. No, I see what you're saying. It's glossed over. But the thing is that if you listen to Back the Blue and, you know, the attorney general, they're still going with this thing that Breonna Taylor was helping her ex-boyfriend distribute narcotics to the point that they offered him a plea deal if he named her as part of the ring. Mind you, when you're offering plea deals to people to try to uh, you know, get more people arrested or charged, it's because you're doing it for the public safety. So you're going to say that this person can have a lesser sentence because it will help you get remove other criminals from society and stop harming them. Breonna Taylor is dead. Yeah. Indicting her on this does not help the, the common cause. It's just giving you talking points to, to justify why she deserved to die. And it's just ridiculous that the attorney general is still perpetuating this kind of nonsense and would go to the length of, say her ex-boyfriend is actually distributing narcotics, etc., has a you know gang association, is involved in a criminal entity. He's willing to not actually fully prosecute that person just to shame Breonna Taylor and justify the police killing her. Wow. I, 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 I don't even have words. They, they've just released the grand jury tapes, which I guess, or papers. I don't know if it, it was recordings or actual papers and notes or whatever um, to the public, which never, ever happens. Um, oh, did they actually come out already? I thought yeah, they, I didn't yeah. realize they had already released them. Oh, shoot. I'm behind. I got to get up on that. <laughs> no, no, no. Literally, they just did it. Okay. Like, as we're talking, they just oh. released the the grand jury proceedings. So so we're about to know exactly what the AG had recommended to them. And apparently, he did not ever recommend that they be considered charged with murder. Right. He said, well, he never actually gave them the option, right? That's what the no, other grand jury was saying. Right. Yeah, that's that's... That's that's problematic because uh, okay. somebody is dead. So 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 it's almost like that that say, statement: if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around, does it make a sound? It's right. like if somebody is killed and I don't suggest you charge them, were they really ever killed? They just right. got bullets in them and died. Well, it's also he was trying to say that it's one of the things that attorney generals or prosecutors often do. Um, when they don't want to actually prosecute the police for breaking the law mm-hmm. is that they claim that they're putting it up to a grand jury, but then they don't actually offer the actual evidence to the grand jury. And then they say like, well, look, like the grand jury decided that we shouldn't do this. Like my hands are tied. I, I put it to them because people thought it was controversial and I gave them all the evidence and they decided, you know, no charges should be found. Well, that's like Pontius Pilate. <laughs> he was like, dude, I got my criminal and then I got this dude who the, the Pharisees don't like. Okay, let me put it to the Pharisees and their people, see which one they choose. Okay, mm. I put it to them. I said the criminal or the dude that y'all don't like. <laughs> okay, the right. dude y'all don't like. All right, then my hands are clean. That's literally right. <laughs> what you just described the AG doing and what he did. Right. Yeah. People, people will always say, if I was living back then, I would have saved Jesus. Hmm. Well, let me tell you now. <laughs> no, you wouldn't have. Would you? Would you? <laughs> would you? 
You would not have saved them. You would have done the same thing. Here's the thing that I, I, I still don't, well, let's see what the, um, the grand jury proceedings say, but the fact that this guy, the attorney general, the police department, all these people involved thought that Breonna Taylor's name would go away. That simply because she's no longer breathing that somehow we would forget goes back to what I was saying in the beginning with Dorothy Height and not only us fighting against racism, but fighting against the sexism that intersects with be as as black women. You know, like that's our names are never we don't say our names. We don't say our names. That's why we have to have a freaking hashtag that says say her name because otherwise people wouldn't just be erased, go away. I wish this would all go away is what they think. We're not going anywhere. And it, it and it happens a lot cuz even like at the height of the BLM movement when people are really getting agitated we keep repeating like black men are being killed on the streets. And yeah, black men are men in general are victims of homicide more than women are Definitely. usually because we're starting fights. <laughs> but, but no, like you're saying, I'm not going right, to disagree. But, but like we're, we're, we're erasing, not necessarily erasing, but forgetting all the black women that are also hurt by police brutality. Um, Sandra Bland, Breonna Taylor, there's names and names and names and names and names of people. But yeah, the, the thing about these cases it are if they don't get a lot of public notoriety, if you don't have celebrities talking about it, then yeah, they just get ignored and it gets swept under the rug. Yeah. And you really need an actual outpouring of people constantly, constantly, constantly putting pressure on the powers that be to actually do something different. It's interesting you say putting pressure on the powers that be. I was listening to a talk by Charles M. Blow, uh, the op-ed columnist and New York Times writer. He um, he made a, a point that I think all of us know, but it bears wor- um, repeating in terms of preparation and self-care and what to expect and what to continue to do going forward. He was like, America is, is a country that is built on the backlash. I'm paraphrasing him at this point. Built on the backlash. Whenever there is somebody pushing for a right, America, which is a euphemism in this case uh, uh, for whiteness ideology, pushes back violently. There was an abolitionist movement led to the Civil War. The Civil War said, okay, with the, Abraham Lincoln's help, free the slaves. Free the slaves, what happens? The KKK rises. They do not like the idea of people being free. Then Reconstruction happens, right? (laughs) Reconstruction for eight good years. (laughs) We were actually considered equal to a certain extent, right? What happens? Jim Crow, voter suppression. We want to rewrite racism into the very fabric of every state's laws and into the country as much as possible. What do we do? We fight back you have the entire civil rights movement, right? Which is continuing on till today. You know, people talk about, oh, the civil rights movement of the 60s. You know what? We're still in that movement. We're still trying to get towards a more perfect union, right? What happens? Mass incarceration goes up. We get a black president in the White House. What happens? Donald Trump. Every time we push, there is violent backlash. And we're going to get that now, like this is what he wants. He wants the violent backlash because this is the history of the country. But for us, what we need to do, how we take care of ourselves is we vote. 
We make sure that we vote regardless of what lies they're trying to fill in our heads, what chaos they are trying to create. We mail in, we go to the ballots, we vote and we push and we push and we push because for the ballot or the bullet, the ballot, right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, and, and not having read the book, just taking the title, it, our ballot is worth is, is to them tantamount to exerting our own power and being will not even willingness, our right to be here. So you've got to find your purpose and move forward and vote, take care of yourself because the backlash is real and they want us to retreat. They want us to be tired. They want us to be worn out. Guess what? We're just going to thrive. We're going to vote. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to keep moving forward. That's what I wanted to say. Get it right. Keep it tight. I did the wrong. Where did that, where did that statement I'm tired. Okay. Eyes, eyes old, eyes tired. Okay, listen, let's call it a day here because I think that we all need to go and rest. <laughs> you know, watch our language. Like when I say watch our language, I don't mean you don't have to curse. If, you, if cursing helps you get out the anger, do that. I'm just saying like how you speak about yourself and whatnot, especially with what they're telling us on TV about ourselves, just don't pay attention. Find some loving words to call yourself. Um, don't accept their BS. We want safety and security. They're talking law and order. We want safety. We want security. Let's bring that into our presence. Um, let's continue to vote and love each other and 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 be good to each other. That's all we can do right now. The upcoming vice presidential debate. Oh, oh. What I think is going to happen, this is what I'm predicting, is that Mike Pence is just going to keep repeating some Christian family values nonsense. Like he's just going to say that we're the party of family values. We're the party of family values. And it's going to take a bunch of swipes at uh, Kamala Harris's history. He's not going to actually answer the questions. He's just going to repeat uh, America has Christian family values. And then whenever they criticize Trump for being a bad person, he's just going to say, oh, he's just a broad shoulders guy, which is trying to say that he's an illusion. He's he's just a manly man. And that's just what he is. Yeah. So you have to be careful because all of us think that Kamala is going to wipe the floor with him, Mm. which if you actually are going to talk about issues, Kamala Harris is great. She's an intelligent woman. She's a great orator. She gets her point across. She asks very poignant questions that lead people into corners that they can't get out of. But Mike Pence is never going to answer any of those. He's just going to keep repeating the same thing over and over. And this just in, he tested negative. He may actually be infected. It's just not contagious yet. So he still needs to be tested again over the next couple of days. Yeah. Woo, what a world we live in, Khalil. What a world we live in. Yo, peoples. So yeah, this was fun. Uh, once again, it's the Chi and Khalil show. Thanks for tuning in. Hold it down one time for the West Side. Peace.